Hi, I'm Bonnie Curry, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word PEACE to 22433 for a 7-day free trial of Abide. Just text PEACE to 22433 and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God. Today we will be continuing our breakdown on the Denver Broncos roster deep diving into the different positional groups. And today on the docket is the running backs. We will touch on the Broncos current running backs and as well as, you know, talk about some of the top targets in the next draft class. Cause you know, Carl and I are draft nuts. You are listening to the huddle up podcast. Welcome to the huddle up podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall. This show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos, with an extra focus on the NFL draft. Nick and I will continue to talk general Broncos news, but always have a focus towards team building. We still stand by our statement that building teams in the offseason and playing armchair GM is just as fun as the actual games on Sunday. Follow myself on Twitter, at Carl Dumbler, MHH as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall, MHH. And of course, tweet us as much as you like and follow the podcast account at HuddleUpPod. You can also find ours and our co-writers' content at MileHighHuddle.com and an affiliate of Scout Media and the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Broncos crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, and Spreaker. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard and how you enjoy the show. Now, before we get to the show, I want to take an opportunity to, to talk about our sponsor today of Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. Now, as you know, I've talked about this quite a bit on this show of how much I, I love Audible, how many times I use it throughout the year. And and I have a monthly subscription right now where I get one one credit is what they call it. And I can get any kind of book for one credit pretty much. And uh, so I've, I've downloaded some some football strategy books and and some that are on understanding the game. And I remember one night I had to... Uh, stay up and watch a, a few. Uh, there, there was kind of an emergency situation, and anyway, parents needed me to watch some some kids, and they were all sleeping. So what did I do? I listened to Football Genius by Tim Green, and you know this is a book that I was able to get that you could get for free. That's about five hours long, and I became a much smarter football fan just by listening to this one book. So something you can think about, and like I said, you can get one free book just by signing up. You don't even have to, to worry about actually sticking with it. Just try it out. Get your one free book. See how much you like it. And, of course, make sure to, to put in the huddle up and, and help us out here at, at 
at our, our Huddle Up podcast and, of course, Mile High Huddle and to be able to keep bringing you all the great content that we do. Now, time today to talk about one of the, the critical positions that honestly, I, I would say struggled this past year. I don't, I don't think that's even up for debate. I don't think that's subjective. I think it's very objective that this last year, the running back position was not good. And especially when C.J. Anderson went down in week seven, it was terrible. <laughs> I don't know how many times I, Kubiak every week kept talking about how the running backs have to make somebody miss. And every week we'd see them pretty much first contact go down every single time. Well, Broncos seem to have really focused towards this position for this year because it's a very different group compared to what we saw at the end of last year. Now, what we had to, to close out the season last year was Booker, Bibbs, and Thompson. Booker, he, you know, he was a rookie. He was hurt. His knee wasn't quite all healed up. We'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a second. But yeah, not, not the greatest group that you want when you're trying to push for the playoffs. And thankfully, so th- this year, like I said, we have a very different unit. And, and it all starts with C.J. Anderson being back. And when this guy is healthy, it's amazing what he brings to the table. Uh, Nick, what, what do you see in this guy? Well, Anderson being five foot eight, 224 pounds is a bowling ball of energy. When he plays, I mean, I feel like everybody's favorite play of C.J. Anderson has to be that extra effort, third and fourth extra effort play he had against the Indianapolis Colts where I feel like he broke like eight tackles in the backfield and fought for that first down. So that's something that he brings. He's just a very strong, determined, hard running back who has decent burst and vision. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy, but he's pretty good at everything. He has good balance and he absorbs contact pretty well. You know, something that I remember when they were talking about Terrell Davis, they described him as bouncy, you know, guys would kind of touch him and they'd just bounce off of him. And you kind of see that a little bit with CJ Anderson as well. He has some pretty good wiggle as well. You know, that's was somewhat uh, limited. You know, you have to have the offensive line block to get that second level to get that wiggle. So we didn't see that as much last year, but he has shown it. And also he has surprisingly good hands out of the backfield. I think it was one of his first games starting where he was going against the Raiders and he had a turnaround one hand catch and then either ran it like 30, 40 yards. And it, I don't remember if it exactly was a touchdown or not, but just a jaw dropping play for a running back of his size. You know, he doesn't look like a receiving type back, but he's good. And he's also a very good uh, pass blocker as well, which is super underrated when you're watching running backs. You know, that's like the skill that if you don't have it, you're not going to see the field. I don't care how good of a running back you are or a receiving running back you are. If you're not protecting the quarterback as a pass blocker, you're a liability out there. And CJ Anderson's a very strong pass blocker. So very good running back. And hopefully his knee is fully recovered because with the Broncos attacking the offensive line this year in the off season, I think C.J. Anderson has a chance to do as well this year he's, as he's ever done in terms of, you know, just the, the quality around him. You know, I last night I couldn't sleep. And, you know, I, I was just so excited about Terrell Davis being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And uh, so I got nostalgic. And, I, I, I mean, I said it in the other Huddle Up podcast with, with uh, Chad. Terrell Davis is my favorite Bronco of all time. He was the guy that I remember watching that first Super Bowl in thir- Super Bowl 32. And I was wearing his jersey and and I watched him do a dive into the end zone. And so I tried to do a dive over the couch, not realizing my my friends that were watching the game with me had set their pudding, their chocolate pudding on the couch and dove right into a pile of chocolate pudding and got it all over my parents' couch. And uh, 
I couldn't be happier. <laughs> you know, watching them watching them win that Super Bowl, man. That was that was such a great memory. It's one that still sticks with me today. And you know, you were talking about that that ability to to block. You know, watching that Super Bowl 32, I can't believe how many times they trusted Terrell Davis just to stand there in the pocket and take on the defensive end. You know, the, the defensive end would come around the corner untouched, and here's Terrell Davis stepping up, just perfect block. And while, you know, John Elway didn't have a great game that that day, you know, just to, to see that. And that's exactly, like you said, C.J. Anderson, he brings so much to the table. Manning called him one of the smartest quarterback or smartest running backs that he's ever worked with. And and to have that kind of brain on the field. And, and I've had some people that have been in practice that have said, when C.J. Anderson's on the field, the offense actually looks decent. When C.J. Anderson goes off the field, the offense has struggled. Communication hasn't been there. We heard in you know practice, I think on, on Friday, uh, even you know Jamal Charles, a guy that's been in the league for a long, long time, he was having some trouble going the right direction. And you know there's a couple handoffs that you know were were kind of botched in in that practice. C.J. Anderson, he knows exactly where he's supposed to be on every single play. And then you add in a guy that's really strong has that short area burst that you kind of like. And like you said, a little bit of wiggle, uh, that, that Oakland play, you know, there, there's three plays that stick out for me with CJ Anderson, the Super Bowl where he scored the touchdown, the touchdown and overtime against the, the Patriots in the snow. Oh my goodness. You know, just watching him kind of, awesome. you know, yeah, that was, <laughs> Oh, you know, just, it's not only just beating, you know, like winning the game, but it's that we beat the Patriots and having to see their fans, uh, you know, for, for a week complain about, oh, the officials or, you know, whatever excuses they make up. You know. There were so many good memes that came from that, though. I know, I know. That yeah, was like, so awesome. My favorite was the uh, the Dead Sea, the saltiest place on earth next to the Patriots fan base. Like, just like <laughs> the, the, I'm sorry, Boston fans just, ugh, yeah, the worst. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, and then, of course, that Oakland play where the Broncos offense was really struggling. That was with Manning. They just weren't really getting into a rhythm at all and had a third down play and Manny got pressured. There was a breakdown in communication for, for blocking assignments and he kind of just threw it up into the direction that he kind of knew CJ Anderson was at. And like I said, made that one handed catch, made about three people miss. And next thing you know, he's scoring a touchdown on a play that was so terrible, you know, that turned into something so great. And, and that's what he brings when he is healthy. I would say that he's a top 10 running back in the NFL. You know, he, he just brings so much to his game, receiving, blocking, running in the middle, you know, able to get outside, make some plays, all those kind of things. And uh, we just have to see him stay healthy. This team is, is a different team when CJ Anderson is able to stay healthy. You know, he made the pro bowl in 2014 because in the second half of that year, you know, there's only one running back that maybe had a little bit better final eight games of the season and Adrian Peterson, you know, I, fantasy football people, you're, you're a fantasy football guru guy. You know, <laughs> he was one of the best pickups. Uh, he's, he was the best pickup in 2014 for the second half of the year, especially for that run for the playoffs. And he won me a league. Did he? Oh, oh yeah. I picked up him and Justin Forsett, who were both guys who were not starters to start the year. And they both were scoring like 20, to 30 points a game down the stretch and ended up running the table and winning like 200 bucks in one of my leagues. So thank you, CJ. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So that that's, that's the potential that he has, you know, he led the NFL seven rushing touchdowns in December of 2014, 
You know, that was when Manning started first showing a little bit of breakdown in, in his game. And, and the offense didn't miss a beat hardly because C.J. Anderson was still carrying the load. You know, that was, that was so great to see that it wasn't just Manning and such a disappointment to see that team pretty much just give up in the playoffs. You know, I, I don't know. That, we, we can get into that more another day. But anyway, yes, that, that's, he's got to be the starter. You know, I don't think there's really much of a question that he's going to be the starter week one. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, barring something monumental happening like an injury or you see Tebow come up and touch Jamal Charles' knees and he looks like a 24-year-old version of himself, then <laughs> <laughs> that's about the only way I see C.J. Anderson not getting the starting role to start off the year. Did, did you see the news today that Tim Tebow was actually considered by Miami for their quarterback issue? I did not see that news, oh but that sounds goodness. like fake news to me. <laughs> well, yeah, it was Tim Tebow, Kyle Orton, and Jay Cutler. And I'm going, so, you know. pretty much. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that makes sense because of Gase, actually. I didn't think yeah. about that. It's all former Broncos. Yeah, all guys he's worked with in the past. So, yeah, it makes sense, but it just it just made me laugh to see Tim Tebow's name again attached to the idea of playing football. You know, he's he's actually doing all right with, as a baseball guy. That's, that's crazy to me, but... He's, he's just such a, he's such an athlete. You know, that was what was so hard to see was he wasn't a great quarterback, but he was a great athlete. Blah. Yeah. So don't ever trust an urban Meyer quarterback. Oh boy. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, back to the running backs here. Um, CJ Anderson, love the guy. Hopefully he can stay healthy. And you know, he's he, one, he, he has to prove it for himself too. his contract. That's something that, that we haven't really talked about yet, but Starting this year, there all of his guaranteed money is got, is done. Every year is now a year to year contract with him. So Broncos, if say you know Booker shows up or Charles shows up or you know D'Angelo Henderson, you know one of Eric's favorite guys, he always kind of viewed him as that next starting running back for the Broncos. If Anderson doesn't show well and doesn't show well way above those other guys because he has the big cap hit. You know, he could be gone, especially this could, this really could be his final year, but if he shows well, if he shows that he's earned that money, you know, hopefully he could be that next great running back for the Broncos. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with your point that this might be his last year on the Denver Broncos roster, you know, outside of his issues with staying healthy and being consistent on the field. uh, There are some rumors that they've been somewhat off put some people in the front office with his off the field acts, um, instead of uh, being in the Broncos draft party, he decided to uh, have people, I'm not sure if it was Patreon or something like that, but he had people join him uh, via live stream on Twitch, I believe it's called, the video gaming thing, instead of coming into the, the team facility. So there's also been some questions about his rehabbing. You know, the team wanted him to come in and he'd be busy with like a bowling tournament or something like that. So there are some people in the front office, from what I can tell, that, aren't in love with CJ Anderson and wouldn't be opposed to letting him walk this off season, depending on how he does and the guys around him do. But overall a good running back when he's, when he can stay healthy and really can, you know, take a big step this year and prove his value with the Broncos looking like on paper, they revamped their offensive line, but he's going to have more competition for touches this year than he's had in years past, but iron sharpens iron and it's good to have quality depth at the position. So hopefully he can stay healthy and, some of these other guys can uh, push him and they can all be better, you know, more yards per carry kind of thing going on. It's a whole Broncos running back unit. Yeah, that was, that was kind of my next question to you with, with CJ Anderson is 
because they actually have some decent depth or at least the potential for decent depth at the position. Do you see maybe where they try to ease them in a little bit, CJ Anderson, you know, where they maybe, Hey, 15 carries instead of that 2025. Yeah, that would be ideal. I mean, you have Charles who's going to obviously get touches in the passing game and be used more as an explosive running back uh, in the shotgun. I'm guessing more than CJ Anderson will be used, but he's still going to get his touches and I'm guessing it'll be more rhythm based. Like if he's having a good day and ripping off runs, they'll just keep feeding him the rock. But if he's struggling a little bit, if you know, the one day is not his day, they have other options. So ideally he's going to be from 15 to 20 touches and you'll spread the love with some other guys as well, just to keep them all fresher long-term and more explosive on a play to play basis. Sounds good. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think he's going to get a few less touches, but at the same time, probably end of year ends up about the same just in the fact that he's actually surviving the entire year. And, you know, you you want these guys to be at their best when it, you know, when it matters most, when you get to the December, when you get to the January and, and having all these guys healthy, you know, that's, that's going to be a huge concern. Um, You know, you're looking at this, this unit, you have uh, CJ Anderson, you have Jamal Charles Booker, you know, all three of these guys have had injury concerns. And, you know, the best thing that you can do for them is, is try to keep them, you know, that, that healthy level, you know, to keep them at that, uh, keep those, those legs young, you know, that I guess is the way to look at it and, uh, you know, get the most out of them. Like you said, yards per carry, you know, that, that's a good stat to really look at, you know, you, you can rack up a lot of yards, even only getting three yards per carry. You know, if you get that 300 carries, at three yards per carry, you're still at 900 yards and it looks decent year, but you know, that's still, that's as for a running back, that's not great. And uh, that's what I keep hoping for Marshawn Lynch this year. You know, (laughs) he, his final year at Seattle. um, This is something that I know this is kind of off on, on, on another team, but his final year, he looked like the Broncos running backs last year. That's how bad he played. And, you know, maybe year off, Maybe behind a better offensive line, maybe he gets back to looking more like him, his old self, but a much better offensive line. Yeah, much better. <laughs> to be fair, like much right. better. Yeah, but still, you know, that's that's something to keep an eye on because that's a, a huge storyline for them of you know him being able to take that offense to another level. Is that really what's going to happen? And and for the Broncos, we got our own kind of uh, Marshawn Lynch and Jamal Charles. You know, a guy that has been a thorn in the side of the Broncos for many years. And he's been a thorn in my side for, for many different reasons. You know, not only that he's played on the Chiefs and he has dominated at different times, but like the two years that I picked him up in, in fantasy football were the two years that he missed pretty much the entire year. Ah. It is, yeah, so Bronco fans, I am not picking up Jamal Charles in fantasy football this year. <laughs> he is yours. <laughs> if you're in any of my, my, my drafts or anything like that, I will not pick him because I want him to do great, obviously. And he would never do great for me. But he is a guy that he's entering his 10th year. And, of course, you reach that dreaded 30-year-old running back. And, you know, I, the, the interesting question for him is he's on a one-year deal with no guaranteed money and has half of his contract based on number of games he plays. So, you know, the, the, the question with Jamal Charles, especially with some other guys that have emerged that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, is does even Jamal Charles make this team? You know, that's a, a good question to ask so far because he hasn't practiced a whole lot. You know, he just started taking some team reps this this past week, taking some seven on seven, a little bit of 11 on 11. And 
I don't know. I, I guess, Nick, what, what have you heard about Jamal Charles so far? Well, they are hoping to have him on a pitch count this year, uh, 8 to 12 touches. But I just don't think, you know, if they were going to cut him or they didn't think he was going to make the team, he would have to be fighting for touches right now, don't you think? Like they'd have to see what they have in him. So my guess is based on how they're using him, how they're being so conservative with him and reports in camp that he does look good when he does get touches, I, th- I can't see him not making the team unless he gets injured. He's just, we don't have anything else on the team that resembles his skill set. You know, you can kind of say maybe Isaiah McKenzie is more of that uh, speedy change of direction guy, but he's not going to really get touches at running back. He's just, he's too small. He'd get hurt or cough up the ball if you gave him too many touches. So I can't see him not making the team barring an injury. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I've heard some pretty good things. I've heard some bad things too. I've heard that he's struggled a little bit with the playbook. And and some of that I think could just be getting his feet back under him. You know, he has a lot of things that he's thinking about. He, he's thinking about how he's going to step, how he's going to uh, move on a certain rep. You know, remembering the play, and and of course thinking about his knee. You know, that that's something to always keep in mind. Is the last two years, of course, tell the tell of why he's available. You know, he had 12 attempts in 2016, and only 71 carries in 2015. You know, he just he's been injured. He's only played in eight games over the last two years. And and so it takes a little bit to get your feet back underneath you and to get used to, you know, being in a football play. And, but yeah, I, I've heard the explosive that he, he's actually showed some great explosion that he's taken a couple quick passes and, and taken them to the house. You know, we don't have any really live tackling yet. So we'll have to wait and see how that looks. But, you know, there, there are some people who have been saying that he has wowed them with his foot quickness. You know, that, that's something that has always really impressed people with Jamal Charles, his foot quickness and ability just to change direction on a dime and be at top speed, you know, within about two steps. Um, yeah. If he has any of that, if he's even like 80% of what he used to be, he can be a weapon for this team. Yes. And like I touched on, they don't have anybody else like him. And with McCoy using the running back more as a receiver than Dennison or Kubiak ever did, there is a niche for him on this offense. And I'm, excited to watch him. I'm not expecting much preseason from him because there's no reason to, you know, unwrap that knee and expose him to those hits until it's live action. And if he's, you know, bad or just gets hurt or whatever, the only sense it's based on games played, the team can still move on from him. You know, I'm guessing it may be a running back. We'll talk about here in a little bit in Ridley. If he doesn't make the team, I don't know if another team's going to rush to sign him. There's a lot of guys kind of like him out available in free agency. So I think the worst case scenario, you can, you can move on in the season. If he's just, you know, if he's done, he's done. But I think that's not the case from everything I'm hearing. And I'm, I mean, it's off season right now, so I'm going to be optimistic. So he's going to come back and be awesome and kill the chief. So it's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, that would be, Oh my goodness. That'd be amazing. Yeah. And I love his comments. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that it'd be amazing to see, Jamal Charles come win a Super Bowl with the Broncos. Can you imagine the outcry in Kansas City? Well, how about a playoff win first? Like those oh yeah, two <laughs> playoff wins, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I do. I expect a little bit from him this year. I I've heard some great things that have got me a little bit excited. And like you said, the the running backs are involved in and the offense and and the passing game, not just as blockers anymore. And I think that was one of my biggest pet peeves with. With the last coaching staff, 
they hardly ever use the running backs. You know, I mean, I'd see them go off into the flat and teams would just ignore them because they know that's not a place that the quarterbacks are even going to look. And, you know, it was more of just kind of a, well, you go out there, maybe you'll get a guy to come with you. And, but, but this so far in this training camp, we're hearing about running backs making catches left and right. Uh, you know, I think Jamal Charles, I think it was him that made a, he ran a wheel route and uh, I hate, I, I always bring up the worst things because I, I remember these plays. They just stick in my hand, my, my head of, you know, playing Atlanta this past year and their running backs running down the sideline on a wheel route. Well, I've been hearing that our, our running backs are running wheel routes. And I love to hear that because that's such a, a great play. If you have some receiving running backs, you know, where they, they have a linebacker lined up on them and man coverage and they just can't keep up. You know, Jamal Charles, there's not a linebacker in this league if Jamal Charles is actually healthy that would keep up with him, just the way it is. Eh. No, you don't Maybe agree Ryan with that? Maybe Ryan Shazier. Uh, Shazier runs like a four, three, five, forty or something. Okay, well, it'd I mean, be close, I guess. Yeah, it'd be close. It would definitely be close. It depends on, you know, stride for stride and everything. Right, right. But anyway, but Jamal Charles healthy. There, there's not many running backs. There you go. I'll say that. That, uh, yeah. that could keep up with him. And so that would be a huge weapon to have where teams have to play a little bit more zone or they have to require a safety to help out even on a running back, you know, all those kind of things. And it just makes teams have to play the entire field. That, that's the big thing. We didn't play the entire field last year on offense. You know, teams didn't have to worry about the middle of the field. They didn't have to worry about those, those, those quick hitters on the, on the sideline because uh, they just always had guys there anyway. And, I don't know. It was just so tough to watch this offense last year. And it's just so exciting to hear that the offensive line's looking so much better, that the running backs are actually doing something, that they have some room to operate. And, you know, it's one of those, is that good that our offense is able to do that? Or is it just a sign that our run defense isn't that great? (laughs) You know, that's, that's the tough part for me, but you know, we're going to see that here this Thursday and getting these running backs an opportunity to finally show what they can really do. And, and yeah, if these guys get a little bit of space, you know, this next guy that we're going to talk about here, Devontae Booker, he's another receiving option and a guy that if, if you get him in the open field, he can be a dangerous weapon. He was very dangerous last year, especially in the passing game. And I guess beyond that, what, what, what would you say about Devontae Booker? Well, he has prototypical size at 5'11", 219 pounds and, Entering his second year from the University of Utah, uh, same as Garrett Bowles. They didn't play together, but both Utah guys, altitude guys, and has been struggling with a multitude of injuries since his senior year to coming over to Denver even. He's had an ACL injury that took him a little bit of time to get back, and last year he had an injury, and this year he's already got the wrist injury. So that's something to, to monitor because those running backs, they have to be able to not only play dinged up, but – you know, just be able to carry the load. And those guys get hit in a lot. That's one reason that running backs, you don't see them drafted that high normally, or you don't see them get the big contracts because their shelf life is just not that long. And Booker may be a classic case of that. You know, he's already had a fair amount of injuries. And that said, when he played his junior year at Utah, he was one of the better running backs in the league. He has good balance, uh, good vision, and good agility. But this past year, he did not really show that vision. I watched some coaches tape of him and he was missing uh, cutback lanes and holes that I'm surprised. I don't think his junior year, he would have missed them. So I think once he started struggling, he started getting in his head a little bit and he started overthinking it and not really seeing those holes right away. You know, the gears are turning, but just not quick enough. So 
apparently he was looking better in OTAs and worked really hard this offseason to get himself in better shape and better prepared mentally in the playbook. But then he had this wrist injury, so it's gonna it's probably gonna hamper him long term this season. But I'm hoping that when he does come back and see the field, we can see a Booker closer to the one he was his junior year at Utah rather than the one we saw this last year for the Broncos. Yeah, I I wrote down a note here because I thought it was very, very interesting is when he was in the backup role last year, you know, I remember he kind of was that nice little like burst of energy when he came on the field. You know, C.J. Anderson would kind of pound into the defense for a little bit. And then C.J. or Devontae Booker would come in and just kind of, you know, with that tired defense, he would just hit a hole with such speed that I was just very, very impressed with them. And so I went back and looked. When he was a backup, he rushed for 244 yards, which isn't anything too great. But it's still, you know, when you look at it on 51 carries, he averaged about 4.8 yards per carry. You know, our, our run offense last year wasn't as bad as some people make it out to be. You know, when it started out there that first seven weeks, C.J. Anderson, Devontae Booker was a nice one-two combo. And then, of course, week eight, you know, after C.J. Anderson went down in week seven, Devontae Booker goes in week eight, hurts his shoulder, and I, he just never quite looked the same. And I don't think his knee was quite fully healed up either. So you gave him that bigger workload, and that knee just kind of wore down a little bit more. And like you said, then his confidence started going down as the offense was really struggling and yeah, I, I think he just needed kind of that off season to really kind of regather himself. And unfortunately it stinks that, you know, now he doesn't get to practice for a while. And uh, have you heard anything, I guess, about that broken wrist of, of when they kind of expect him back? I heard that they're hoping to have him back week one, maybe week two, and that it's something that if he had it during the season and they needed him, he could play, but it's just, it doesn't make sense long-term. He could have long-term damage if that happened. Uh, and that's, again, having at least depth this year, you can ease a guy back like like him back in. You know, we, we don't need him to be uh, – it'd be great to have him as a dominant force in September, but we have other guys that can really carry the load there for a little bit. And if he can be that dominant force, that guy that can come in in December and, you know, get that 5, 10 carries where he's averaging five yards a carry and and be that receiving option, that that's, that's a very underrated part of his game. It is great. We actually have quite a few receiving options at the running back position. You know, I was just thinking about that of Anderson, you know, Charles, Booker, and and the next guy we're going to talk about and, and Henderson. They've all shown that they can be receiving options. They can be those three down players that you stick them on the field and you don't know if the team's going to run or, or pass. And and that's that's such a nice feeling. You know, uh, with, with Chad, we were talking about this upcoming game against against Chicago. And Jordan Howard, one of his great weaknesses is he's not a great receiving option. You know, he's, he's kind of that two-down thumper, and then you have to stick somebody else in on that third-down option. And, you know, we, we have three, three or four guys here that can, can actually stay on the field no matter what kind of play call it is. But, you know, again, the running back position, it's all a matter of how healthy these guys can be to really actually meet that potential. That's, that's always that dreaded word in football, potential. You know, it's not proven yet. They haven't proven yet that they can stay healthy for an entire year. You know, C.J. Anderson, has he has Anderson actually survived an entire year yet in his in his pro career? I, I don't think he has yet. He's been dinged up one way or another. But I just got to say, Jordan Howard's not that bad of a receiver. Oh, okay, I remember okay. being a fan of him as a receiver coming out. He had uh, 30 receptions last year for almost 300 yards and a touchdown. So he's okay. not super, like, explosive. And when he gets the ball in his hands because of his size, he can 
you know, cause some issues with cornerbacks and safeties trying to tackle him, but he's not going to take many, you know, receptions to the house, <laughs> but he's, he's, he's better than people. Uh, a lot of people give him credit. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Just had to, I, I, no, I agree. <laughs> to disagree. I, I, I don't see him as a great receiving option. You know, like for me, I, I view CJ Anderson and Devonte Booker. I watched them make some great catches that to me, there are receivers in this league that don't have as good a hands as them. I mean, yeah. the, just just being honest, there there are receivers in the NFL that you know they either have speed or they have height that that gives them an advantage, but they don't have great hands. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, who's the one for for Houston, their their speed guy, uh, Will Fuller. Yeah, Will Fuller. I think is he out for the year now? He got hurt. Uh, I, I know I, I saw he broke that. his collarbone, so he probably will oh, be. Collarbone. Okay, not not quite the entire year, but he doesn't have great hands. Yeah. You know, he, he dropped some some easy ones for touchdowns that you're just sitting there going, are you kidding? You know, I think I think he dropped one against the Patriots in the playoffs. That was an easy touchdown. And that was, uh, oh, my goodness. But anyway, um, you know, we have some running backs, like I said, that have great hands, that I've seen them make those one-handed catches and then turn and, and do something with it. And Devontae Booker, he's that guy. So I want to see him back fully healthy get that wrist all the way healthy. You know, he had some fumbling issues last year. You don't want any kind of weakness in his wrist while he's trying to hold that football. And, you know, maybe he can become that long-term answer at running back. Do you, I guess that, that, that'd be my final question to you with him is, is he more a rotation type player? Or do you think that he could be a long-term answer? I think Booker is not unique enough as an athlete to be the guy you want as a running back, as your starting running back. But that said, he can succeed with a solid scheme and offensive line around him. But in an ideal roster, he's more of that option 1B running back who's going to get 10, maybe 15 carries in a game, depending if he has the odd hand. But I don't think he's athletically explosive enough that you want him as your primary ball carrier. Now, that said, you know you have teams like the Patriots last year going with Jason White, Deion Lewis, LeGarrette Blount. None of those guys are really running back ones, but as a, uh, a unit, they work out pretty well. So he's just another talented body who can definitely take starting carries and uh, hopefully develop, uh, deliver this year if he's healthy and uh, doing a little better. Last year, like I said, he just seemed like he was reeling, especially after C.J. Anderson went down. He just was not there to be the, the primary guy, and he stopped trusting his eyes and started everything was not slowing down for him like it was his uh, big year at Utah. So hopeful for him, and he's definitely a, a talented guy. I know our friend of the pod – uh, Scott Porter is a huge fan of him coming out. So hopefully for his case, or hopefully for his sake, Devontae Booker can get healthy and deliver this year. Um, hopefully for the case of the Broncos, you know, his success equals yeah, that our, too. our team yeah. success, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, well, I mean, you got some other guys behind him that could, you know, surpass him if he doesn't, you know, take a step this year. Because I'm a big fan of some of these other guys. Yeah, and, and one of those guys is D'Angelo Henderson, our rookie running back taken in the sixth round by the Broncos from Coastal Carolina. Kind of a, a small guy at 5'7". You know, it's, it's nice to to hear that there are some NFL players that are shorter than me. You know, I'm, I'm a short guy. I, I had a family reunion this last weekend, and I think every one of my cousins was at least six feet tall or taller. And so I'm the short guy at the, at the place. And I'm the oldest cousin there, and I'm the short guy walking around. So – Tough to deal with, but nice to see a, a short guy making some success at, at camp. You know, he's been kind of the talk of camp. And, you know, he was one of Eric's favorite players. You know, Eric talks about how he, he texted some people that he knows connected with the Broncos and said, hey, 
are you guys looking at this guy, D'Angelo Henderson, for some upcoming picks? And and he said that he didn't get any kind of response. And <laughs> and then he took, you know, the, the Broncos obviously took him. And, and uh, I think if Eric could do a backflip, I think he would have in that moment. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he would have. That was one of his favorite picks of all time, I think, for the Broncos. He was so excited about this kid. And, and he had some sources that said that if this kid played at a bigger school, he could have been a first-round talent. I'd, I wouldn't say that. Uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got uh, some – I mean, he's good. I'm thinking that we got a steal here, but a round one talent for a running back, you have to be, like, pretty damn good. I mean, Dalvin Cook didn't go round one. And that dude is obviously a, a talented running back, even despite his off-the-field issues and whatnot. Yeah. So I, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm not quite to that point of ever being able to say that. But I, I do think he was a steal in the draft, of course, and and a guy that I think could really develop into a, a great player for the Broncos. And and like I said, training camp. He has been the talk of training camp. You know, this, a lot of these rookies, man, this was such a – it's either that this was such a great rookie class or we were just starting to lack in talent on the team. I'm, I'm going to go with the first one on that, that, you know, these guys are just that talented. I think it has to do with the, uh, the huddle up draft pod. Everyone's just so focused on the Broncos draft picks. Now they're so knowledgeable that the media wants to talk about it. Cause those guys on the huddle up pod really started a trend. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this, this draft class, they've gotten a lot of talk and D'Angelo Henderson joins that group of, of guys that have taken some first team reps and have shown well in both the past and the run. And he's shown that, that burst that, you know, even some veterans have been able have been talking about this guy. They they've been really hyping him up of, you know, this guy's shown the, the explosion that you really want. And if he can really fix, you know, his biggest issue, this is easily his biggest issues. It fumbles, fumbles and more fumbles had 16 fumbles in his four years at coastal Carolina. And he only had one his freshman year. So 15 over his final three years. Oh, <laughs> not, good. not good. And and in the NFL where turnovers can really be, you know, it's one of those few stats that really usually shows who wins the game. You win the turnover battle, you usually win the game. And so you can't have a guy that puts the ball on the ground. And yeah, he just, he's been one of those guys. So he has to work on that. And I'm sure the Broncos are, are working on that, but he is a guy that has a nose for the end zone in division one. He set the record for most consecutive games with a touchdown at 35 straight games. You know, wow. there, there are a lot of quarterbacks out there that struggle to throw a touchdown in 35 straight games. There, there's not many out there that do that. And so a running back to do that, that shows a guy that just knows how to, how to make some people miss. He knows how to, to score with, you know, the long touchdown and the short touchdown. You know, he's a guy that can run in the, in the red zone as well as score that 50, 60 yard touchdown. Uh, you know, I, I did a breakdown on him earlier this year after we drafted him. And I was so impressed with this guy where he just, he could score from anywhere. It, it was crazy. I, I loved his work between the tackles I loved his ability to get to the outside. I loved his ability as a receiver. You know, he just, he has a, a complete game. He's a little bit undersized, but he has a complete game. He's got a little power. He's got a little wiggle. And yeah, I, I can see why Eric is ex- excited about this guy and why the Broncos are excited about this guy. Yeah. And another thing besides his size that probably knocked him down and also playing for Coastal Carolina, not the uh, the best competition, but he is already 24 years old and going to be 25 in November. So he is a little old for a rookie as well. So I'm sure that had something to do with dropping him down. He also had 
a crud ton of carries at Coastal Carolina. So given that and his size, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense why he would be there in the sixth round. But from a talent standpoint, I think he's a day two, maybe, maybe early day three type of talent. Uh, and very exciting. You know, a lot of people compare him because of his short stature and big thighs to Maurice Jones drew, who was a great running back for the Jaguars back in the day. But I think what I see when I watch him is I was a big fan of him coming out as well. The uh, Duke Johnson, who hasn't been able to stay healthy for the Browns, but just a very unique uh, athlete for them, a good receiver and uh, can take carries between the tackles, outside the tackles with good vision and a dynamic playmaker, not the biggest, but just a, just a fun one to watch. And that's who I see when I've watched D'Angelo Henderson, D'Angelo Henderson, I think has a little bit of bigger ceiling though, cause he's been proven to stay a little healthier, but the main thing, like you touched on it fumbles, if he's fumbling the ball, he's not going to see the field. So he's going to have to do that. And he's also going to have to work on his uh, pass block sets as well. Right now, from what I saw, from what I remember watching him, him on tape was he was not the most clean guy, technical guy when it came to his pass blocking sets. He has the frame to do it. You know, he, he definitely has a mentality to do it, but it's something that's going to take reps and time to get better at. So I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked about Devontae Booker. Do you ever see him maybe becoming that featured back? He's not a 1A I don't think, but he could be a starting running back for a team. I think he's got to clean up the fumbles like we talked about and prove that he can be healthy. But with all the hype that's coming around him right now and a solid offensive line, that sounds like it's taken shape. I think he could be a dark horse this year. You know, if you have a, a keeper league in fantasy or a dynasty league, maybe he's somebody to put a flag on to, to watch throughout preseason. Cause he might be worth a flyer if Booker is not healthy and Charles isn't doing that well. Cause he is dynamic. He can be a receiving guy and he's not afraid to lower his shoulder. I think I like his athletic skill set a little bit more than Booker's. So I'll go with a little bit higher than that, but Booker's got more size. So I think he's probably more likely to have higher durability with that size and not as likely to fumble. So both of those guys were drafted a little bit older, which is surprising for a position like running back, but that's how you get good values. I mean, apparently Booker was a second round value on the Broncos board. They got him the fourth and Henderson was high on their board as well. And they got him in the sixth. So that's what you like with running back. It's not a high value position because those guys don't normally last as long. And hopefully we'll get some solid depth out of those guys this year. What, what do you think his role will be this year? I think he's probably running back four, but given the violent nature of the running back position, he's going to see some carries eventually, I would assume. But again, he's he's going to have to show that before you get on the field, you have to be able to protect the quarterback as a pass blocker. And that's something that I did not see a lot of out of him at Coastal Carolina. So once he's able to do that, I can see him getting more and more work, especially if he's like obviously different in preseason when he's running the ball. Kind of like how C.J. Anderson, I believe the preseason game was against the 49ers, and he got injured after this, but they kept him on the roster because he had looked so good in that first preseason game. And I could see that being similar with Henderson. I'm expecting good things out of him when we go up against the Bears. Yeah, he's he's on my list of, of guys I really want to see. Uh, you know, a lot of these rookies are, <laughs> honestly. I mean, because they, they're going to play a big role on this team, I think. Uh, you know, obviously, Bulls is going to play a huge role on this team. There's no no denying, unless there's an injury, that Bulls will be our starting left tackle day one. And and that's that's great to see. You know, you need your first round guy to to win the job. But yeah, there, there's some other guys. Carlos Henderson. I want to see what he can do. You know, does he run the right routes? All those kind of things. And and D'Angelo Henderson. Yeah, he's on my list of of guys. I kind of expect to see show something that teams 
take notice and hope the Broncos cut him. And, you know, that's that's going to be something they're going to have to do a numbers crunch because running back, it's it's a little bit deeper than than people even realize. I think even the, the Broncos realized. And, you know, they're, they're going to have to make some tough cuts or maybe even maybe make a trade. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But beyond those those top four guys, you know, those are the, the main guys that most people talk about making this team. We have a, a fifth guy at the fullback position, Andy Janovich. Maybe for me, one of my favorite Broncos on the team right now. Maybe maybe my favorite. A six foot one, two hundred thirty eight pound uh, fullback, and and I love you and I both are, are kind of that smash mouth football kind of guys. We love to see it. And and Janovich, man, last year he was just so fun to watch. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a fullback that just loved contact as much as him. Which is, I guess, uh, it's a double edged sword. It's good in the fact that, you know, he, he goes and smashes people. You know, there, there's that talk about how many face masks he broke. Uh, I think he even broke a helmet, <laughs> like cracked the helmet itself because he hit somebody so hard. But at the same time, that means injuries could be a big concern. I guess, what what do you see with Andy Janovich? Is he kind of that same view for you that you just love to watch him play? Yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch. I love his tenacity and he's a very physical guy. I do worry about his long-term durability. I believe he was injured at Nebraska, and we know he had an injury last year that changed the complexion of the Broncos' offense. And so that's something you got to monitor. But with how impactful he is and just the energy he brings, I'm guessing McCoy is going to find a place for him. And if he doesn't find a place for him, Brock Olivo is going to find a place for him. So he's he's exciting to watch. I remember his first carry that he had against the Panthers was absolutely awesome. He was gone. That touchdown on that first carry was <laughs> One of my favorite plays last year that yeah. set off the season very well before it kind of started to not be as good as the season went along, <laughs> but very fun player. Uh, PFF had him as the fifth best fullback. I think NFL 1000 last year had Janovich either ranked as the first or second fullback in the league behind Baltimore's Kyle Juszczyk, who if you are a fan of fullbacks, he is probably the prototype right now. I think they used a third or fourth round pick on him as well. So very fun fullback there. But Jano brings a lot of energy, and if it weren't for just how impactful he was, I would be fine moving on with him, moving on without him, because I think that Derby and even uh, Austin Trailer could fill in that fullback role for the limited times that you use them. You know, tight ends more and more, kind of like how Peyton used Jacob Tammy. He was started off as more of a fullback type of role, and then transitioned to tight end because there's starting to be blurred lines in terms of that position. But Janovich, I mean, I'm just expecting some tight end snaps from him as well. They just that's you got to get those guys out there, and if he's a difference maker, put him in a situation to be a difference maker. But I can't see any way he doesn't make the team, and just a fun player, and definitely a ball of energy. Definitely, and 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 he brings some to the special teams unit. You know, that was one of his strengths coming out of Nebraska. Is he, I think, led the team with 13 special teams tackles in his final year of college. And, and you got to love that. This is a guy that, you know, whatever it takes to find the field, he'll find a way. And you, you alluded to it earlier, Brock Olivo, you know, special teams coordinator for the Broncos, talking about Jano. And, and pretty much, uh, he pretty much guaranteed that Jano's going to make this team unless he's injured. And, and I loved what he had to say. This is what he said about him. He said, Jano, love Jano. Jano, to me, if we had 22 Janos, we would be all right. He's tough. He never says a word and never complains. He just does his job. He's the first one in the meeting every day. He's on the X's and O's wise. He knows what to do. He's tough and he finishes. I love the guy. If you if you could tell it, or I love the guy. If you could tell, 
He's going to be a four-phaser for us. He's a really good football player. And then the the Denver Broncos website, they, they tweeted this out, this interview, this little snippet of what he had to say, and, and they, they wrote this below it. They said, find someone who talks about you the way Coach Olivo talks about Andy Janovich. And <laughs> I, I thought that was one of the best tweets I've seen in a long time. But, yeah, it's true. Olivo loves this guy, loves the intensity that he brings, the energy he brings to the – to the room and he's just one of those guys that you want to find a way to get him on the field and I think honestly he's he's a very underrated person of, of just last year when he went down like you said you know the run game really struggled you know before he was injured the Broncos averaged 3.9 yards per carry nothing great about that but when you factor in after he left the team averaged 3.4 yards per carry you know, you lost half a yard per carry when he was not on the field. That, that's a pretty big jump in the NFL. And, you know, I I hope he can stay healthy. I hope they can find ways to get him on the field. I think he has even decent hands as a, as a wide receiver. You know, I think he could be that guy that, you know, once a game, you just try to find a way to get the ball in his hands. You know, on a little quick screen pass, a little quick, you know, slant pattern over the middle, something. You know, I the play that I think about last year was when he was wearing that cast and he made the one handed catch for a first down, you know, with a guy right on his back. That was, that was impressive. One of the better catches I saw last year. And so, yeah, I I think Broncos will find a way to get this guy on the field. And even, you know, I know McCoy plays a ton of shotgun, but even last year he kept a a fullback on the roster. Uh, JJ Watts brother, uh, Derek Watt is his name. End up playing 135 snaps on defense, or about 12.6% of the snaps. So they'll, they'll find a way to get him involved, mostly as a run blocker, and especially special teams as well. But great guy to have on the team, great attitude guy, fits with what the team's trying to do this year. That's for sure. Yes, and I don't see any way outside of an injury or change of heart based on what the coaches have been saying that he doesn't make the roster. Agreed, agreed. Now, so leading up to this last week, to me, these, these five guys that we've talked about so far, pretty much everybody just said, these are going to be the five guys the Broncos keep unless there's an injury. And when Booker went down with injury, they brought in Steven Ridley from LSU. And, you know, he, he's been in the league for quite a while. He's bounced around a little bit. And Bronco fans might remember a little bit back in 2012, he rushed for 1,263 yards with the Patriots and 12 touchdowns. And, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere. He was like, you know, I was talking about earlier. He's that fantasy football darling that, that everybody kind of picked up that nobody saw coming. And since then he's just done nothing. And so he's kind of brought in for a workout. The, I guess the story goes, he was eating lunch with his mom and got the the call from the Broncos saying, "Hey, we want to come you to come in for a workout." And he got on a plane, flew here, did his workout, and right after the workout, they signed him. You know, that's that's how crazy life can change for a football player. And he has done great. He's gotten some first team reps. Uh, he's gotten some second team reps. He, he's really impressed a lot of people. Cecil Lamney t- tweeted out uh, Stephen or Stephen Ridley showing better bursts and crisper cuts than I expected. So. I guess my question to you, Nick, is do you see the possibility that this guy can maybe take one of the roster spots of those, especially first four running backs we talked about? I don't see him taking a roster spot from any of those guys that we've already talked about. 
unless now there's no way they take he takes a roster spot from them. I just can't see it. I guess I don't want to speak in absolutes, but those younger guys they have the investments in them uh, contract wise, and he's he just is another running back in terms of his skill set. You know, Jamal Charles is different enough as a player that I can't see him kicking out those guys. And CJ Anderson's the incumbent. He's the starter. He deals. So I can't see that happening. The way I do see him sneaking on this roster is if for some reason Booker isn't ready to go and they have to start the season on Pup or potentially Henderson really struggles in preseason, maybe they can sneak him on the practice squad or if Henderson or one of the other guys gets injured. But as it stands right now, if everybody's playing, everyone's healthy, I can't see Ridley making the team despite the media buzz that he's playing so well. Now that said, if he plays amazing in camp and preseason, you know, I, I, I can reevaluate based on new tape. I've done that before. But right now I'd probably say not likely. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. You know, he's kind of like we talked about with uh, with Henderson. He's got a fumbling issue. You know, that was why he especially got cut by the Patriots. You know, that the 1,263 yards and 12 touchdowns, that also had four fumbles. And if you know anything about Bill Belichick, he benches pretty much anybody that fumbles, you know, barring Tom Brady getting sacked and, you know, having a sack strip fumble. But, yeah, he had, had a little bit of issues with that. And everywhere he's gone, that's kind of been a, a thing of him putting the ball on the ground. So something to keep an eye on when he gets to, to preseason. Can he hold on to the football? And then what kind of impact does he really make, you know? Like I said, training camp, it's you always have to take everything that's said with a grain of salt. One, media don't always know what's going on every single play. We, we could talk about this with quarterbacks, wide receivers, everybody. They don't know exactly what the team is trying to accomplish in every single play. There's no real live tackling. Yeah. So it's pretty much they come up and they, they kind of put their arms around you and they blow the whistle and the play's dead. So all of a sudden, you know, oh, this guy broke about three tackles and went for a touchdown. Well, in a game, that probably isn't the case. You know, probably in, in an actual live game where everybody's playing full speed, that guy gets tackled and, and that 50-yard touchdown everybody's talking about with, in the media is really just a five-yard quick pickup kind of thing. So, you know, like I said, you just always have to kind of wait. I keep telling people, especially like with the quarterback battle, have patience. Preseason will be the bigger test. You know, training camp, seven-on-seven drill, those don't show you a whole lot. (laughs) Those don't prove who's the better quarterback. When you actually have guys flying in their face and and them having to stand in the pocket and take a hit and complete a pass down the field, you know, having those actual game scenarios of being third and long and needing that first down to really, you know, go for that winning drive or whatever it may be, you know, those that's where you can really read into something. Right now, it's still kind of a, they're, they're in the learning process. You know, that, that's for everybody. Running backs, quarterbacks, you know, like I said, Jamal Charles, he's struggling with the playbook right now. You know, maybe once they get to the games, he gets a couple more weeks of, of being in practice and, and getting a few more snaps. All those little wrinkles kind of get worked out. And, and so, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see this unit and, and maybe see that we actually have some depth. We have some guys that can step on the field and you can feel comfortable about any of them being on the field. And, but I guess to close out our time here, Nick, you know, we always like to, to kind of close out with, with some, some college running backs, some guys to keep an eye on and guys that you've looked at. And, and my first question before we get to this, this group is, uh, is this next year's class better than this year's class? Right now I would have to say, no, not at the top. I mean, last year you had 
Mixon, which off if you take off the off the field issues, could have been the first running back taken last year. He was that talented. Fournette, Dalvin Cook, and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so right now, I would say no. But next year's class does look to have some pretty decent depth, and the top two guys could be as good as the top guys last in last year's class. I don't think any of them are up to Ezekiel Elliott as a prospect, but they could be right underneath that. And the first two guys that I want to talk about, uh, Saquon Barkley and uh, Darius Geis. Uh, Barkley's from Penn State, who last year absolutely just destroyed destroyed my Hawkeyes when they played. And he's a very fun running back. He's five foot 11, uh, 223 pounds, so prototypical size, and runs with great burst, uh, especially laterally. He can kick it out once he sees a hole and really create issues in the open field. Uh, he's not as physical as his size would indicate. You know, he's not that he's like shies away from contact, but he's not bowling guys over. He's more slippery than he is just a pure power guy, which in comparison to Geis, who's a little heavier, uh, Geis is a very physical runner. He always lowers the shoulder to fight for two or three extra yards. I think Barkley's a little bit better as a receiver right now, a little more rounded in that regard, but he's not the best pass blocker right now, and he doesn't have the uh, the overall dominating mentality that I see from Geis on tape. And I'm excited to watch both these guys this year. Right now, I can't say either one is better than the other. It's going to come down to this year's tape. And both of them, I think, are probably top 15 level talents next year. After that, you got Bo Scarborough from Alabama, who's kind of the next Derrick Henry. He's not as good of an athlete as Derrick Henry, but he's a big guy, six foot two, 228 pounds, might even be a little bigger than that. And he's had some injury issues, but definitely a fun downhill running back. He's not Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is much more special as an athlete but a fun player nonetheless. Uh, Royce Freeman, who I actually was doing a write-up on last year because I thought he was going to come out because what junior, you know, with a fair amount of carries on the legs, how many times does that guy go back for the senior year? Not very often, but Royce came back, and he's a fun running back as well. Uh, five foot 11, 230 pounds. He really took a step back last year. He was much better his sophomore year than his junior year, but a just a solid overall running back with decent vision and balance. Then you got somebody who people thought might have been a first-round pick before he had a gruesome knee injury. It was Nick Chubb from Georgia, and he showed okay last year. He's got good vision in the line. He can run between the tackles pretty well, but he needs to show that he's regained some of his explosion that he did not have last year if he's going to kick himself back up to the top of the draft. Uh, one of my favorite prospects in next year's class, not not like a first-round talent right now, but just as an overall unique prospect, is Arizona State's uh, Kalen Ballage. He is six foot three, 225 pounds, and is like an upright, uh, explosive receiving running back. Kind of like what some people thought David Johnson was going to be. But David Johnson showed to have much better power and vision than anybody could have thought. But Ballage is that wide receiver offensive weapon type where I don't see him being great year one as a running back. He doesn't have the best vision right now, and he runs a little upright. You know, he doesn't squeeze through those holes. But if you get him the ball on open field and screen games, and he can run routes pretty well and he has decent hands he can be a problem because he is so big and he runs angry uh next up is uh hawkeye akram wadley one of my favorite backs for uh obvious reasons probably for those who listen i'm a big hawkeye fan but wadley's a lot of fun to watch if you get a chance to watch his tape on uh draft breakdown last year where iowa went up against michigan he was the offensive mvp he was dominant i think he had a rushing touch no he, he had a receiving touchdown in that game but he was i think he accounted for like 70% of the Hawkeyes offensive yards he was just, he carried the offense, dragged them along because the passing offense was not doing very much. He reminds me a lot of Shady McCoy 
right now he's only 191 pounds, but I think he can get up to 200, 205 and his great vision, great vision and a jump cut that, I mean, when I see him, I see McCoy. So very exciting back. And I, if he does show to handle the carries this year, that I'm expected Iowa's offense to give him and to be a little bigger, he could shoot up draft boards. Another really good receiving back from USC. He's not really a, a downhill runner right now. Uh, 6'1", 195. But again, running back, the position is starting to change a little bit. You're seeing more and more of these guys that are more, uh, they can run, but it's their receiving style. And that's what Ronald Jones is. He will be a really good third down back. And if you have a team that's in shotgun a lot and looking to get the running back, the ball in space, he could be a very dynamic weapon. And then somewhat under the radar right now on the national media, but a former high recruit is uh, Ohio State's Mike Weber. Now that Curtis Samuel is gone, I expect Weber to take a bigger and bigger role. And I think he's a redshirt sophomore, so he might not come out this year, but looks to have a uh, top 40 talent, uh, five foot 11, 212 pounds. So decent size and good vision and an obvious athlete because Ohio State's just covered with athletes. But overall looks like a pretty solid running back class. I am from the camp that you probably don't take a running back round one unless you have a dominating offensive line just because you want to utilize that running back to their maximum in that first contract because you're not sure about that second contract because the amount of carries they get, the wear and tear of the running back position. So as a classic uh, case control of this is look at what Todd Gurley has done with the horrible offense and offensive line that is the Rams compared to Ezekiel Elliott. You know, you switch those guys. Do you think Elliott's doing as well or Gurley's struggling as much? I mean, you might have a, the complete narrative would be switched that Gurley is this amazing running back and should be the best running back in the league. And Elliott might be, you know, bordering on a bust. Not that Gurley's a bust, but he's definitely not living up to a top 10 selection. But that has more to do with the, the pieces around him, in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on, obviously, we have a long way to go if, in terms of breaking down the Broncos roster and needs next year. But in terms of running back, I, unless you have the infrastructure in place around him, I'm not taking one round one. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I I like this group of running backs, though. It, it'd be tough, say we, you know, Barkley or Geis are there for us because, he's, like you said, they are top 15 talents. Man, they would be such a dynamic weapon to have, you know, to, to really help out these young quarterbacks to, uh, to to be a nice fit. And And I was a huge Nick Chubb fan before his injury. Oh, my goodness, I loved his game. You know, he, he kind of reminded me a little bit of – of, of Terrell Davis. And I, I don't like to compare running backs to, to hall of fame guys, but you know, he just had that one cut and when he planted his foot, he just got up to top speed and he was through that hole so quickly. And, and then, you know, he has that little bit of power. He's got a little bit of wiggle and, and some decent vision. And I just uh, always loved his game. And I, I hope to see that he gets back to that full health because uh, I would love to see him, well, maybe if he gets back to full health, he probably isn't a Bronco because he'd be way picked before we, we'd ever have a chance. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're picking, you know, bottom 20s, late third or early 30s, 32 for each round. But yeah, yeah no, I, I like this. Across. Yeah, I, I like this group and uh, there, there's some definite definite potential, but I'm with you as well that. Most likely, unless you're getting one of those generational talents like a Barkley or Geis wait till those mid round late round picks because you can still find high quality guys. I mean, you, you look at the NFL and, and late round quarterbacks that have made an impact. It's the, the list is long and, you know, obviously Terrell Davis, six round pick 
What CJ Anderson? Yeah, CJ Anderson was an undrafted guy. Jordan Howard went, I think, in the fifth round. Yeah, he looks to be a really good running back right now. Uh, Le'Veon Bell went to the end of the second round. A lot of times, like almost every position, you know, the ones that are drafted earlier tend to be better. That's not a surprise. But I, is it an imperative position? I mean, how many playoff wins did Adrian Peterson get? And he's the best running back I've seen in my life, probably. You know, just in his peak years and whatnot. Right. So it, they are important, but you need to have the infrastructure around them to be worth, especially that first contract, because you never know how, how long they have in the league. So, oh, uh, David Johnson, the other one, he went third round. So first round running backs, yeah, but the best two in the league weren't first round picks. That's true. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's one of those positions you can find talent throughout the draft. There's some of those positions that you know – very rarely are you ever going to find, you know, it's, I always hear that narrative of finding that, that late round quarterback that shows up out of nowhere. Well, <laughs> beyond Tom Brady, there's not many others that you can name. There's an undrafted guys, you know, Tony Romo, Kurt Warner, who just got put into the, uh, to the hall of fame, you know, th- those kind of guys, but those late round quarterbacks, usually there's not many that you can say have done, have had great success beyond Tom Brady. And so, you know, that, that's a position usually you have to go a little bit higher to, to find somebody. I'm not trying to say Simeon can't be a talent, but the odds are stacked against him for sure. And, but running back, like I said, Terrell Davis, you can find other guys in that third, fourth round that have been able to perform, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell. He wasn't a first round guy. He was second round. Devonta Freeman. I think yeah. he went um, later in the draft. I know he wasn't an early selection. Uh, DeMarco Murray was not a first-round pick. Jordan Howard was not a first-round pick. Jay Ajayi, not a first-round pick. So did Ty Montgomery. I mean, you can find those guys. That's not the question. And a lot of times those guys just don't last as long. So are they worth first-round selections? Yes. But am I going to be the GM that pulls the trigger on that guy in the first round? Unless they fall and are like ridiculous values. Like if we're drafting 30 and for some reason Barkley's there. I might have to pull the trigger then, but I'm not looking to use a top 10, top 15 selection on a running back unless I already have a dominant, dominant offensive line that could just totally change the dynamic of the franchise like the Cowboys were able to do with getting Elliott. Agreed, sir. Well, that will wrap up another one of our Huddle Up podcasts. Stay tuned next week for our final deep dive into a Broncos positional group, the quarterbacks. And with training camp and preseason here, you know, make, you're going to want to tune in and listen up. So make sure you're checking back in on Mile High Huddle for all your updates on camp battles and preseason and other Bronco news. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dummler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of Scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital Network. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, Spreaker, CastBox, SoundCloud, etc., etc., you can also find us on Twitter at My High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to share and subscribe and rate us. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Denver Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week for quarterbacks. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle.